The Start On On Demand. Hello there, it's Brett, and it's the Tuesday edition of the Mackling and McGarry 680 CJOB Morning Show podcast, minus the Mackling in Chicago. Got to see the Foo Fighters at Wrigley Field. Today you're going to hear a conversation about a bridesmaid who was punted from the bridal party by the bride because she couldn't fulfill her duties. Bridezilla much? Also, the gig economy. It's not just for millennials anymore. Boomers are getting in on the action. The West End Biz has been doing some fabulous tours this summer. They've got Some amazing restaurant tours, artisan tours, mural tours. We're going to learn all about that stuff, including a brand new mural that is going up. And Dalnavert Museum has some amazing summer programs for kids. We'll learn all about all of that stuff on today's podcast. Shanley Vidal is here, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Braun, and Jeff Forte. I turned on Greg's mic, even though Greg's not here. He's in Chicago. That's a recognition thing. I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm just a robot. Just a habit. Just. <laughs> I like the recognition thing better. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's always looking to put a positive spin. I respect that. Uh, it's good to have a sunny disposition. One of the top trending stories at globalnews.ca might not put a sunny disposition on the face of this bridesmaid involved. The story has to deal with weddings, particularly the expectations surrounding being a member of a bridal party. Former bridesmaid Courtney Duffy was having a hard time juggling her bridesmaid duties with school. In an email that has now gone viral, Duffy said she was asked to relinquish her duties by the bride. Here's part of what the bride said. When I asked you, I was really hoping that you could be a part of this whole thing, the bachelorette trip, at least the weekend, prep, and the full night of the event. A Sunday night flight means you won't even be able to be there for the whole wedding. The whirlwind nature of what your travel has become just won't work with the duties as a party member. So today we're having coffee talking about bridal party drama. If you're getting married, if you were getting married, what would you expect from your wedding party? Now, I, uh, at this table, I see, I count one person who's been married, who is married. Sorry, not been married. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> That's more. <laughs> unless, uh, unless there's something secret in your past, Shanley Vidal, have you ever been married? Uh, no, but I have my plan all on paper, ready to go, just, just, just waiting and waiting. Oh, that's right! You've waiting. got your little SWAT team waiting in the shadows for when <laughs> once the trigger is pulled, you send them into action, right? Oh. Yeah. At this point, I don't even care who who the uh, who the other party is. Just uh, let's get this done. Wow. Okay. So then, let's start with you. What What do you think of what Courtney Duffy has had to go through here? <sighs> well. Uh, as a, I was a bridesmaid once, and I probably wouldn't do it again. It was it wasn't uh, all. It's not all it's cracked up to be because I didn't realize there was all these uh, unwritten expectations. Like you know, you, you're expected to go over to the couple's house every week and help them plan the wedding, and and you're expected to plan all these other events. And and I think if you're going to be a bridesmaid, or you're going to ask somebody to be a bridesmaid, or uh, what's groomsman? That's that's yes. the other yep. term. 
have it written down. Have, have all of the expectations, all of the duties. Make it very clear what your ex, ex, uh, ex, what your expectations are. So if I were to get married, my expectations of my bridal party would pretty much be just just stand there and look pretty. That's about it. I, I I don't expect them to take part in anything before that. Uh, maybe pose for some pictures, but my expectations of people are pretty low. And uh, yeah. Wow, <laughs> sounds like a fun wedding. Uh, well, well, and, and yeah, and, here, and here's the thing: my wedding, it would be, it wouldn't be one of those dreadful weddings uh, of entitled couples who, you know, how they make you go for the entire day. It's an entire day long wedding, so you have to go around like in the morning for the ceremony, and then you have to you have all these hours with nothing to do, and then you have to go in the evening for this dinner. Get it all done in one shot. You can't just expect people to give up your whole day. Yeah, Kelly, uh, how long has have you been married now? Uh, Thirty eight years and counting. Wow, congratulations! Yeah. Thanks. So, when you got married, did you have uh, how large was your wedding party? It was very small. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've told the story before about our wedding was uh, catered uh, by the Sycamus Husky. So, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> yeah, there, uh, I, I can't remember how many people were there. It, it wasn't over to ours, probably about 60 or whatever. And uh, we did not have the, uh, the same. Uh, type of responsibilities for our uh, bridal party that uh, that was, was being discussed here. But, you know, I, I read that whole story, Brett, and uh, I kind of think, I, I don't think it's wrong that the bride asked the bridesmaid to relinquish her duties. I think it's wrong how she went about it. I think a, a person-to-person phone call or uh, done over Skype because they were across the country from each other, just face-to-face would have been uh, a much better way to do it rather than in an email. But, you know, I, I can see where they wanted their bridal party to be part of the whole thing. And because of this young lady's uh, commitment to school, which is not a bad thing, but it just didn't, it didn't make it for a good fit for yeah. that particular weekend. That's all. Yeah. She should have never agreed to be a bridesmaid if she Probably. knew she could exactly. not do that. Yeah. 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 yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, you when you are asked to be in a in a wedding party, you don't have to accept. Although I, I would hate to be the person who says, uh, you know what, nah. <laughs> it's because it's an honor, but, right? But, yeah, but you know, but you could say, you know what, I want to do right by you, but I am going to be yeah. really jammed up with school. Uh, for the next six to eight months or whatever. So I'll come to the wedding, I'll celebrate with you, but I think you need somebody else to be able to fulfill that role. Or I can give you two-thirds of a day if that's enough for you, fine. If you need something more than that, you better ask somebody else. I've heard of um, bridal parties and doing a whole week before the wedding. Yeah. And that just takes too much. Yeah. It takes too much. Well, and there are, are, like, it... (laughs) It almost seems like there's like a competition sometimes. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. about the the day. It's not about the the two people getting married. It's about having the biggest wedding and the fanciest and who you know trying to outdo the previous wedding that you attended. And that's where I get a little annoyed. And it's also I think worth pointing out that typically, from what I understand, the the duties for the bridal party are t- significantly greater than that of the groomsmen. Yes. And I even didn't. I was a best man, and I didn't, in hindsight, I was a terrible best man. I did a bad <laughs> hey, job me playing. Me too. Me too. Yeah? yeah Why I was were best you bad? Man. Oh, I just didn't do anything. I, was, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't told to do anything. Did you plan and execute a bachelor party? No. 
We were 18. We were young. We were very young. So. Oh, my God. Wow. I did that. And even right before the wedding, I was down in the hall helping the DJ uh, test his microphones and stuff like that. Oh, wow. To the point where, like, Jeff, where are they were looking for me. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, I was downstairs helping the DJ. That's not your job. Well, you were taking your job seriously. Right. Yeah, I, I tried. I I had the, the, the skeleton of a plan ready to execute, but then it was sort of taken over by somebody else and uh yeah i didn't do a, a very good job i ran into trouble once this is a quick story uh a buddy of mine he asked me to be an usher and i thought oh that's easy enough you show people where to see, sit yeah. right? but then and then it was and this was uh it was in the park too this wedding it was like oh there won't even be chairs there. this is easiest gig ever and he's like well here's the order to get to go to whatever store and we're all dressing up in this kind of suit go get fitted and all this stuff and it's like two weeks before the wedding. He's like, you haven't uh, gotten your suit yet? I was like, no, nah, I'll just wear my own suit. I didn't need to spend $100 renting a suit if I'm just an usher. And But what I didn't understand was that he's British, and in England, usher means groomsman. So, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I, you got trapped. I was like, I better go get fitted for that suit. And it's just the nick of time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Would have ruined all the pictures. Yeah. Uh, somebody here texting 204-780-6868. Regarding the quote from the email, am I the only one who picked up on the bachelorette trip or at least the weekend? These things are getting nuts, unrealistic, and selfish expectations. If you go to a bachelor party or bachelorette party, like typically when I think of a stag, at least for guys my age, usually it's a round of golf. And then you might go out for dinner and then maybe you go out for drinks. But right there you're looking at, I bet you, two to three hundred dollars just to attend. Never mind these bachelor party trips where people yeah. want to go to Vegas. That's yeah, like a thousand dollars. It gets too much. Yeah. Well, that's where you talked about, you know, the, uh, the competition level. Oh yeah. M- we're going to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're going to the Half Moon Drive-In. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Half Moon, I love Personally, it. Personally, yeah. I'd, I'd rather go to the Half Moon than Vegas, but that's just me. Bachelorette party, Shanalee, do you want to have one? <sighs> as long as cats are involved. As long as uh, there's lots and lots of cats to play with, then I'd be down. Is there like a cat cafe here in Winnipeg or something like that? There actually is, and I haven't there. gone to it yet. I think it's it might be in Transcona. There, uh, Miss Jayla Fur's cat cafe, and you go in, and there's a room, and there's tons of cats you can play with. Neat. So sold. Yeah, you got to get down there. Come on now. Hey, and also, hopefully, at some point in the next couple of days, we're, we were learning that domestic cats are classified as a as an invasive species. We'll get details on what that is all about. Hopefully, I couldn't believe it. I, as soon as I saw it, I had to send it to Shanley. Like, look at this! Cats! Invasive! All the fur will be flying that morning. Thank you very much, Kelly Moore, Shanley Vidal, Jeff Braun, Jeff Fortier. My name is Brett McGarry. Greg Mackling is away this week. Many Canadians are relying on temp or contract jobs in order to make ends meet. Most of us associate these types of jobs with younger workers, but many older Canadians are also embracing the gig economy. That's right. I got this email yesterday from BMO, and it says... Were you aware that baby boomers are also embracing the gig economy? BMO's latest wealth report looks into the change in the labor market thanks to the gig economy. To tell us more, we are joined live on 680 CJOB by Chris Buttigig, who is director of the BMO Wealth Management Institute. And Chris, good morning to you. Good morning, Brett. Thank you for having me. So 
For those who maybe are unfamiliar with the terminology gig economy, first of all, can you just tell us what is the gig economy? Well, the gig economy is a um, it's a segment, if you will, of of workers that uh, or or uh, or labor uh, that is uh, being employed uh, in 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 Canada, in North America, and globally, um, where they are looking at. Um, sort of a, a temporary or contracted employment uh, or perhaps, you know, an on-demand or freelance uh, type of employment. Um, and so it's not permanent. Um, it usually has a sort of a, a contract or a, a stipulated uh, time uh, where that, that, uh, that, that uh, time of employment is uh, going to begin and end. So, uh, we are finding that many Canadians, many North Americans, are are um, moving into this type of uh, labor market to seek employment, and uh, it's a growing trend uh, from uh, from an employed uh, perspective and as an employer as well, uh, who are also looking at these types of uh, individuals to uh, to meet or fill gaps uh, in their uh, in their workforce. Now, Chris, uh, typically I think we thought of millennials in the gig economy representing the bulk of that, but what's this about baby boomers getting in on the action? Yeah, we, uh, we wanted to understand, uh, you know, how the gig economy uh, was working and who was working in the gig economy. And, and initially we thought that perhaps, yes, it would be, the majority would be uh, amongst millennials. But what we saw was that um, it was... Um, it was being uh, participated in by uh, the various generations, the boomers and and uh, and the Gen Xers, and uh, they had you know different reasons perhaps as to uh, why they were um, uh, seeking employment uh, in this uh, in this gig economy, uh, and so that was that was interesting uh, from that perspective. Um, for the most part, uh, many. Uh, when we looked across the board, we're doing it voluntarily, almost 60%. Uh, but, you know, on the flip side of that, about 40%, of course, uh, had, had no choice. They, that, that was a means for them to, uh, to seek employment uh, and, earn a, and earn a living. So when we talk about the gig economy, is this like basically the same time as having a, what we used to call a second job or a part-time job on the side? It, it certainly it could be that part-time job, and what we saw, particularly from the millennial perspective, was they were doing it as uh, as a means to earn some extra income, um, and you know that's perhaps because they are um, you know starting their careers not necessarily at you know the highest income level that they want to be at this stage, still working up you know the, uh, the proverbial corporate ladder. Um, uh, and so those perhaps were doing it this way, but we also saw boomers doing this to supplement their retirement income. Those boomers who were already retired or perhaps semi-retired, and were looking to uh, supplement uh, their uh, their income uh, for for their retirement income needs. So, Chris Buttigieg, uh, director of BMO Wealth Management Institute, talking about the gig economy and this new report that you've issued. What are some of the challenges that? Are, that people face when they're employed in the gig economy. Yeah, there were there were several that that came uh, that came up front when we uh, when we did our survey, and uh, the, the 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 biggest one, of course, and, you know, more than two thirds uh, said this was that they didn't have benefits, so they didn't have health and medical uh, or disability benefits, or or even um, 
the opportunity to participate in a, an employer-sponsored uh, retirement plan. Uh, most companies uh, will offer their, their employees usually some means of being able to save for retirement uh, through an employer-sponsored retirement plan. That is not uh, an option when, uh, when you're working in the gig economy, a gig economy as a, uh, a sort of a temporary or freelance uh, type of worker. What does uh, this mean for employers, the, the fact that this gig economy is a growing trend? Well, from the employer perspective, it's, it's an opportunity for them to fill gaps uh, internally. So if they've got a project that, uh, that's uh, a big project that, that, that they're looking to undertake and they feel they're understaffed or perhaps don't have the expertise on board, um, then they are looking uh, you know, externally to, uh, to hire uh, individuals who are skilled. We saw that um, many of those that are in the gig economy are uh, highly skilled individuals. They're coming from either the IT, HR, accounting, uh, engineering, etc. And so they are, it is a means for them to, to engage uh, an external uh, source uh, of labor and uh, on a sort of a, a contract basis. Uh, we also saw that in a, in a survey that was conducted amongst employers, that they felt almost 80, more than 80% felt that this was going to trend even more so uh, going forward, that they felt that um, this trend of employing uh, individuals uh, through the gig economy um, was going to be uh, um, an increasing um, source or, uh, of, of labor uh, going forward into the future. Chris, but a gig, we have to leave it here. But thank you so much for giving us some insight into this uh, this growing trend. It's uh, fascinating stuff. Thank Excellent. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. Chris Buttigieg is director of the BMO Wealth Management Institute. Right now... We want to tell you about, we want to take you to the Winnipeg West End. The West End, that's right. Mackling, Mackling should be here for this. That's his That's his old stomping ground this summer. West End Biz running a series of walking tours that showcase the art and food of the neighborhood. To tell us more about the West End Biz Summer Tours, we're joined live in studio by Joe Cornelson, Promotion and Development Coordinator and Executive Assistant for the West End Biz. Joe, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So I got to talk first about the food. Uh, I, well, I guess it well not so recently, six months ago, I tried pho for the first time, <laughs> and it was in the West End, which... For the record, I, did I just pronounce that correctly? Pho? Yeah, it's, pho. It's spelled P-H-O, mm-hmm. and I remember actually getting into it with somebody who said to me quite vehemently, what do you, it's pho. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's pho. Oh, it's pho, that's what, right. What is pho? Well, it's like a Vietnamese soup. Um, okay. We've got a, a ton of those uh, restaurants in the neighborhood. My, my understanding is that um, there is a French connection to the, uh, to the pho uh, word, um, but I don't exactly know what it is. Okay. Um, Oh, that makes that that makes sense. I could see that because uh, you know that a lot of the syllables are sort of in the same vein. But it was delicious. Yeah, it was delicious, and it's actually in your restaurant tours around the world in a few blocks. And the most recent one was on July twenty sixth. But the next tour is coming up 
right away. Tomorrow. That's right. So these, what, I guess, is this the first time that you've done these kind of restaurant tours? Um, no, we've been offering them since uh, 2014. Okay. Um, we, every year we change them up a little bit. We add some restaurants. Uh, we move some restaurants onto different tours. Uh, all the tours are walking tours. And uh, they're, they're meant to be about, you know, experiencing, as, as you can tell when you look at the listing of the restaurants, they're about experiencing that diversity we have in the neighborhood. So every restaurant tour is kind of geared towards trying to hit as many different uh, culinary traditions as possible. Um, and, and then, as I mentioned, they're all walking tours. So there are also opportunities to, uh, you know, get out into the West End, uh, walk some of the streets, learn, some, learn about some of the history of the buildings, the people. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty well-rounded experience. Yeah. Well, just looking at the tour for tomorrow, we have Shabbatai. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sultan's Shawarma. That's right. Where are those places, by the way? Yeah. So, so Shabbatai is one of the newest uh, restaurants in the neighborhood. We have uh, a little over 100 restaurants. It's one of the newest, wow. and it's one of the first uh, exclusively Thai restaurants. So we have um, we do have other restaurants that serve Thai, but Shabbatai is the first dedicated Thai restaurant. And uh, Sultan's Shawarma there over on on Ellis. Okay. And uh, and. What they serve is in the name. It's a shawarma. It's a Middle Eastern wrap. Okay. It's delicious. I just tried shawarma, actually, <clears throat> excuse me, for the first time about two months ago, and it's, uh, wow. XQ's Cafe and Lounge, and then Johnny's Sticky Buns round out the tour for tomorrow. Um, but uh, So that one still has a, how many openings? There's three spaces left, so folks need to call as soon as possible if they want to get on that one. Now, the one for August 8 is sold out. That's a different shawarma place. as uh, shawarma time, uh, rice bowl, Harmon's Cafe, Goody's Bake Shop. That Goody, Goody's is a neat little place. Oh, absolutely. Have you, You've been there, I take it. Yeah. Yep. I, well, I used to live in the West End for a couple of years, and I remember buying a pizza there, actually, that I then put on the barbecue. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so... If you've never been to Goodies, when you walk in there, what is what, what is one experience? <laughs> that's that's a great question because because Goodies is is obviously you know uh, about the, the the treats that they serve, about their their baked goods. Um, but when you walk into it, you're really struck by the sort of the the, the dynamic colors in the. Um, uh, in in the space, so you walk in and it's just displays full of, of various baked goods, um, you know, and and the colors of the icing, the cakes. It's 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 really quite phenomenal on on Aaron and Ellis. Now there are tours as well on August fourteen, August fifteen. Uh, the tour on August twenty second is sold out, and then there's one more on August twenty nine. You mentioned diversity, so like it, let's say you you. You haven't been to a new restaurant in a while. You want to try something different and break out of your out of the mold. And maybe, you know, you've never been to the West End. Um, you mentioned that word diversity. So is this is your neighborhood with a hundred restaurants kind of like? Would you say it's a go-to place to to try something new, no matter where you go? Absolutely, and that's exactly what these restaurant tours are about. You know. It's, it's folks, sometimes, um, you know, you see all of these different types of restaurants, these fall restaurants, Caribbean restaurants, uh, shawarma restaurants, Filipino restaurants. There's so many options, but a lot of people, you know, you look at that, you've never been to one of these restaurants, you don't quite know what it is that you could order there. Mm-hmm. And, and these tours are meant to kind of get you in the door, introduce you to some of these, uh, some of these traditions, help you find a new favorite item on the menu. Um, and and really sort of take that introductory step. Yeah, and it, it, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I love trying new things, but sometimes when I go into a place with this kind of diversity, like a Thai restaurant, I, the first time I went into a Thai restaurant, I had no idea what I was ordering 
Um, thankfully, my you know I had someone with me who could say, "Oh, this is this, and this is that." But but uh, I think that's probably what scares a lot of people from trying new things, right? They're not entirely sure what they're looking at. Absolutely, it's it's. There's some restaurants you can walk into. I mean, I've been to I've obviously been to every restaurant on our restaurant tour, and I've been to almost every restaurant in the West End. And you walk into some of those restaurants, and the menu will be a hundred items long, and you're like, "Where where do I start?" Yeah. So 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 again, this is about simplifying that decision making process from 100 down to one. And and usually there's a couple of different items that the restaurants will be will be uh, providing on the tours, so you kind of get an opportunity to try just a couple of different things. Westendbiz.ca is the website, and we're talking about their around the world in a few blocks restaurant tours. They have one tomorrow, and they have a few more scattered throughout August. We are talking about some really cool tours happening in the West End. Courtesy of the West End Biz, we first talked about their Around the World in a Few Blocks restaurant tours. They started uh, back in June, and they go all the way until the end of August. There's one tomorrow, westendbiz.ca for details. And I also want to talk about some artisan tours that are happening. Our guest in studio is Joe Cornelson, Promotion and Development Coordinator and Executive Assistant for the West End Biz. And before we carry on and talk about artisan tours and mural tours, um, some people listening might say, well, you know, the West End has been in the news lately for some unsavory situations. Do I want to go to the West End? So what do you think? Um, you know, it's it's an important question to ask, but, but you know, crime is something that you see all over the city. Um, we've been offering our tours for, for years and years, well over a decade, and, and we've never had an incident on our tours. We, you know, I, I live in the West End. I feel, I feel uh, very comfortable in the neighborhood, and, and, and a lot of people... Uh, a lot of people feel comfortable in the neighborhood. As you were mentioning, we were talking about the restaurant tours earlier, and, and those tours are selling out. People people are very interested in the West End. People like the West End, and and uh, and and you know, it's it's certainly crime is is nobody likes that, and and we're we're not happy to see that. But you know, it's something you see around the city, and and we. Like I said, I feel very comfortable in the neighborhood, and lots of people do. Well, and I once lived in the West End, too. I moved out of there not because I had a problem with the neighborhood, just because I bought a house in a different neighborhood. That's just because that's where it was available. So yep. it was nothing yep. against the West End. I've, I enjoyed my time there. Uh, I've got a couple of minutes here. We have some artisan tours and mural tours, and then uh, an unveiling to talk about. So very quickly, what's the artisan tours? Artisan tours are a relatively new uh, tour we offer, and... Uh, what they're there to do is, is really highlight some of the unique, interesting businesses we have in the neighborhood. So we've got businesses that do upholstery. Uh, we've got a, uh, we've got a, a um, uh, you know, uh, places that do stained glass making. We've got, uh, we've got a new brewery in the neighborhood. So these tours are an opportunity to kind of, you know, come and see these places, see how these, how these entrepreneurs are, are, are doing their craft, learn a few tips and tricks and, 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 and places try uh, sample out <laughs> sample some uh, you know food or some of their uh, their cool treats yeah and I see yeah for example Barnhammer brewing that's on wall that's is it right. wall or air and I always get those two mixed up <laughs> they're easy to confuse it is on wall okay sorry yeah that's right wall goes north um, so that's the artisan tours they have two more August 11 and August 18 and then the mural tours. Mural tours are a long-term staple for the West End. We've been offering mural tours for, for years and years. Uh, you know, a lot of people, when they think West End, they think of our, our murals. Um, they're all over the place, and they tell stories of our, of our history, of, our, uh, of some of the cool personalities that grew up in the neighborhood. And, 
and, and uh, you know, some of the neat buildings in the neighborhood as well. So our mural tours are an opportunity to kind of learn a little bit of the, the story behind the images on the walls. And uh, those are offered uh, Monday to Saturday. Uh, folks just need to call and and uh, we'll book them whenever they like. And and I think they must be among the cheapest tours in, in Winnipeg. It's five bucks a person, twelve or two bucks for kids under 12. And you have a new mural that is being unveiled this morning at 1130. That's right. We're always putting out new murals. And this year's mural is at 595 Clifton. We're going to be doing the unveiling at 1130 a.m. this morning. We'd love to see some folks out. We're always proud of our new murals. And and we think this one's going to be pretty special. You Can can you tell us anything about it before? Can you give us a little <laughs> bit of a spoiler? You know, the theme is uh, bubbles. Uh, you know, bubbles! Folks, bubbles, that's right. <laughs> so it was something painted by the uh, by by uh, our mural mentor program. So that's where we uh, have a couple of fine arts students uh, work with neighborhood youth to put together a, um, a mural that really celebrates the neighborhood. And, and, and so uh, this year we did bubbles. So it, it should be pretty cool. Uh, I've seen uh, I've seen uh, a few snippets of it. If folks want to hop on our Instagram account, uh, West End uh, West End Biz, uh, they will uh, they can see that little that little snippet of the mural. Of course, if they want to come out to the unveiling, they can see the full thing. Again, that's at five ninety five Clifton Street. That's just north of Portage Avenue. Joe Cornelson, Promotion and Development Coordinator and Executive Assistant for the West End Biz. Thank you very much for joining us and tell us about this. Thank you so much for having me. Westendbiz.ca is the website. And I'll just quickly say as well, one of the tours that I like to take in the West End is just when uh, at Halloween. I like going through the West End because you guys really do up Halloween decorations, right? That's absolutely true. Like I said, I live in the neighborhood. I've experienced that firsthand. And there's a lot of people that really embrace it. Right now, I want to talk about the Dalnavert Museum once again. Now, if you are looking to squeeze in a few more summer activities before the kids head back to school, it's not even August yet. I used to hate those commercials, and I'll, 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 I'm going to ask our guest about it before I introduce her. I used to hate seeing back-to-school commercials because they'd always pop up on, like, July 15th. It's like, I just got out of school, and you're already reminding me i got to go back? They are painful. Yeah. Yeah. You're in school right now, right? I, I, I am in university, yeah. Well, Emily Gartner is her name. She is program animator with Delnavert Museum to tell us about some of the stuff that is happening at the museum. I'm just going to ask you to step or sit just a touch closer to the microphone, Emily. So program animator, first of all, and I know you probably get this all the time. It's a pretty cool job title. It, it does sound very cool. Um, I'm not doing any animation, though, so it's... You know, the it can be kind of confusing, but my job mostly is helping to create and deliver program at Dalnavert, uh, and that is my position this summer. Okay. Yeah. So what drew you to, uh, I mean, you're in U- University of Winnipeg, uh, you're, you're studying history, uh, so I guess it's a natural fit that you ended up at Dalnavert, right? It, it is, and then there's also the part of me, I'm a massive nerd, and I really <laughs> wanted to work at a museum. I always have. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dalnavert is actually somewhere where I had a birthday party when I was about nine years old. And really? I, yeah. Yeah. My friends all remember it, and they made a point of reminding me of it this summer. Okay. And so, yeah, and I was familiar with the museum as a kid. And, you know, when the opportunity came up, I volunteered there earlier in the winter, and then I got to work there, and I was like, it's so weird to be able to say that this is kind of like a dream job for me, but it kind of is. 
you know. I, I want to know more about this birthday party that you had as a <laughs> nine-year-old. Was that by request? Yes. Um, well, what happened was, if I remember correctly, I wanted to do something history-related for my birthday because... Oh God, I'm, I was such a nerd, still a nerd. Hey, it's uh, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a big geek, so yeah. it's, it's okay. I'm, I, I got you. Yeah. So I, I think my mom was like, "Well, I know that you want to do something history related. Like, what would you like to do? Like a tea party or something like that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but like, I want it to be a little bit more active and so on." And she went, "Well, there, I know there's a museum downtown, like an old Victorian house, and we can do something there." So we did. I think we went through the house as a birthday party. We all dressed up in like little prairie girl outfits okay and uh we all went through the museum and then we made butter and two of my friends have reminded me this summer that their strongest memory of that birthday party was actually using the butter as projectile weapons and throwing it at each other oh god yeah yeah so that was um how much of a mess did you make i have no idea i don't really remember and i'm kind of glad i don't have you blotted that out I, I I assume so. Okay. Either that or I just didn't pay any attention because I was nine. Was the but butter that you made good? Do you remember that? I remember having some of it on a cracker and thinking it was okay, but it needed salt, as all butter does and most food does. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, that's cool. Good. I mean, that you talk about kids doing interesting things for a birthday. I think that's really neat. And now you get to work there, so you've come full circle. Where is the Dalnaverton Museum, by the way, for those who don't know? So it's on 61 Carlton Street. Uh, it's at 61 Carlton Street is the address, and uh, it's Broadway and Carlton, really. You can't really see it from Broadway unless you start walking down the road, but you, you can't miss it af- after you walk down, uh, like, south on Carlton. Like, it's a big Victorian house on a street full of, like, apartment buildings and stuff, so. Okay. So you, uh, once again, our guest is Emily Gardner. She is program animator with Dalnavert Museum, talking about some of the stuff, the activities they have at the museum for the kids to do over the summer. Who is Professor Wen? (laughs) So uh, Professor Wen, uh, no relation to Doctor Who. Of course not. At all. Nothing like that. No no copyright Um, there. Of course not. Uh, Clearly. Why would you think that? Uh, Anyways, so Professor Wen has what is called the Time Warp Experience. So uh, if you have kids and you are looking for something to do on a Thursday or a Sunday afternoon, you can swing on by Dalnaverd. And the kids are needed on a special mission to help save the universe. Cool. Yeah. The Automorox aliens have invaded and they have replaced uh, different objects in a Victorian house in 1895 with modern-day objects, disrupting the space-time continuum. Oh, my God. Yes. It's up to the kids to go through the house and identify all of the objects for Professor Wen so they can save the day. That's fascinating. I love it. I think that uh, I want to do that. Is it is it kids only or can can they like you know parents and or just very large man children participate in that? I mean, it might be a little bit uh, less complicated for you yeah. to identify the things. Oh, you uh, you overestimate my talent and skill. <laughs> but uh, if you have uh, the the young ones in your life, the children, yeah, the adults go through with them, and uh, it's a good way to see the museum, especially for kids who might not find it exactly the most fascinating thing in the world, that we have fascinating examples of Art Nouveau pieces or the uh, complexities of social calls in Victorian times. So we kind of 
you know, this gives them something to do. And of course they get to save the universe. So yeah. that's a benefit for all of us. Like, uh, is it, is it an interactive thing or do they get to touch anything while they're doing this? Or is this just a, like a look, but don't touch kind of thing? So the deal with Downlevert is we don't really have anything behind glass. We do have some things behind ropes and so on, but everything in the museum is an artifact, except like we have some plastic food, but everything's an artifact. So we try to prevent people from touching it. Okay. So they don't really get to touch anything, but they do get to look into all the rooms and identify stuff. Um, and we do have other programs we offer for school groups and things like that where we do have interactive objects and things like that. We just don't display them in the museum. Okay, so if a Wednesday pops along and you're wondering what to do, well, you've got something starting tomorrow, August 1st, called What to Do Wednesdays. What's that? So on What to Do Wednesdays, uh, the name is very clear. Uh, it's just something to come do. So what we do is we have uh, programs geared towards families, but kids and adults can both participate and enjoy. Um, and you come in and we have a free program in our visitor center. And basically you just come and have a good time. That's our only rule with it. Our first program tomorrow is Victorian sing-along day. Cool. So you're going to come in and have a choir-style meeting. Uh, I'm going to be assisting and running it with two people, who, one of whom is a musical performer mm -hmm. and a vocal major, and the other one is a uh, she's a member of the Philharmonic, the Winnipeg Philharmonic Choir. Wow. So, yeah. <clears throat> Do you sing? I used to sing in choirs and various things. I have let it slip since. Mm, okay. So. And I also see that you're doing... Uh, along with the outside of the Victoria sing-along, you've also got outdoor skills like not tying a knife safety? Yeah. Yeah. So how that... I don't think of knife safety when I go to a museum. How did that come about? So let me put it like this. When we were constructing the programs, uh, my instruction, the instruction that all, the, all of the summer students got when thinking about programs to suggest and things like that was play to your strengths. So I'm a Cub Scout leader, uh, and I've, ah. I've been in scouting since I was five years old. Um, so I know a thing or two about knots and knives. So I just kind of was like, hey, what is something I know how to teach to families and kids? Knot tying and knife safety and shelter building and first aid. So we're going to have an outdoor skills day where I basically just run a cub meeting and I don't have to think about it too hard. So, but it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, the activities are pretty universal in entertainment value. And I mean, they're... You would be surprised at how much knots and knife safety come in handy in day-to-day -day life. So, and uh, we just we got to get out momentarily here. But I also see that the Eaton's catalog has managed to make its way into the Dalnavert Museum in some capacity. How does that work? Um, I think I'm going to need to ask you for clarification on well, that. One. You've got the Eaton's catalog clothing exhibit from the costume museum throughout the house. Oh uh, yes, that. So around the house, we have a couple of examples of various outfits from around the turn of the century or a late Victorian period that they've kindly loaned to us. And uh, they give you a real good sense of like what people um, who would have lived in the house in the time that we're trying to display, what they would have worn. So, yeah. Neat. And of course, the, the Heritage Garden is in full bloom. So lots oh, yeah. to do at Dalnavert Museum. It all sounds like a blast. Uh, the, the, the Professor Wen Time Warp experience in particular sounds like a lot of fun. And the kids get to save the universe. So, yeah. Will you come save the universe? <laughs> yeah, I would like to try to save the universe. Why not? That'd be, that's, that'd be good for a resume, I think. Not that I'm looking for another <laughs> job. Not, I'm not looking. Anyway, Emily Gartner, Program Animator with Dalnavert Museum. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank <laughs> you.
The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.